July 25th, 1999. The Haunting made a bunch of money, but if they really wanted to scare audiences, they should have given Liam Neeson a fifth of whiskey and asked for his opinions on race. Destiny's Child asked for help with their telephone and automobile bills, but they were too proud to bring up their debt to the Columbia House Record Company. Mario Golf was released on the Nintendo 64, showing Mario was just another fat white guy who goes golfing when the nation is in peril. Meanwhile, in Buffalo, New York, Stone Cold Steve Austin faced The Undertaker for Vince McMahon's future. They're actually ruggedly handsome. This is Hell in a Cell Phone. Yeah, writing the intro, I, I've never seen all of The Haunting, I've never played Mario Golf, and uh, we all know that my knowledge of late 90s R&B is, is shady at best. So, uh, There was also an MTV show called Undressed that premiered around the same time. Did you guys see that? What was the premise of it? it, um, it... Oh, go ahead. No, you because I've never seen it before. So, well, I was obsessed with undressed, and in fact, one of the first things I wrote for the Houston Chronicle when I got my job there was, um, a "Where are they now?" The stars of undressed because so many young actors that were like hitting it really big in like two thousand and seven had all had like one episode arcs on undressed. They like, it was like uh, just like a casting of like all of like Toronto, you know what I mean? So it was like uh, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men, the lead, uh, the guy whose name I remember, he was the lead character on Reaper. Um, There's like a bunch of people that were on like Gossip Girl. I want to say like Chase Crawford might've been one of them. Like uh, undressed was just like, it was these basically like vignettes, every episode, like different characters, sort of like an anthology um, story of the week and they were basically like horny teens and 20 somethings and it was like uh it was like obviously very like it wasn't even, it was not even softcore i would say it was like the sexiest that like an episode of like a gossip girl would get of like a prime time soap so steamy but really what it was though was like teens being cool and also like queer people in a way that i've never had seen uh so as a child i was like obsessed with it Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know, mm-hmm. and lots of like gay people my age, I feel like would also have like a similar reaction and be like, oh my God, because it was kind of like watching real sex on HBO, except it just, it was more like grounded in reality and kind of like cool. It was like the real world. Real sex. And... <laughs> it's the real sex. Real sex with a hundred percent fewer diapers. <laughs> yeah. Real sex world. Like real world means real sex, uh, sex world, uh, real sex world. Real, real sex where, where, where you don't have to like cut to an over fifties masturbating club. <laughs> yes oh god yeah or like uh yeah like, like an an old man who's being uh who's having his like he's being uh what is it milked or oh god. real real sex was always a race to Rest finish bed. it was two in the morning my parents were upstairs and it was a race to finish yeah yeah no because like really at any moment they could have a boner killer mm-hmm. like you're like, you know, you're like, okay, this one's good, this one's good, and then you get to like the creepy cult like orgy, and you're like, fuck, never mind. <laughs> oh, see, I was waiting for the cult orgy. Ugh, it, they were always so ugly. It wasn't even a fun <laughs> orgy. No, wait, Dropped so, it. Oh, oh go ahead. no, go ahead, Bobby. 
I was asking about the haunting. Is this the haunting with Catherine Zeta-Jones? Is yes. that what I'm thinking of? Okay, yes, I did see this movie, which seems off-brand for me because it's not yeah. even really a horror movie. I mean, like, it's not very scary at all. It's like, it, was it even R? It feels like it might have been like a it hard was a PG-13. PG-13. Yeah, it, okay. I don't think it was even <laughs> Like, I saw parts of it on HBO and I was like, I don't need, and 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 considering how many times they would repeat shows on HBO back when there was only yes. one HBO. Yes. The yeah. fact that I didn't see this whole movie at some point is actually a feat in and of itself. Truly. Cause I do Wait, feel was, like... was, was, oh, was, was, was Catherine Zeta Jones um, like big at this point? Had she already done like Zorro or whatever? She, it was, uh, it was post Zorro, but pre Chicago. Yeah. So she was kind of like <laughs> and, an ingenue. Um, um, Entrapment also. I feel like she got some some notice for that one. Yeah, I think it was Entrapment and and, um, and Mask of Zorro, and yeah, and Zorro that were like big for her. And then like by Chicago, she was already mm-hmm. I well. Think, then I think I think arrived. She, I mean, I know this isn't um, like Catherine Zeta Jones in a cell phone podcast, <laughs> but but it could uh, be. But don't worry, like, we will have a bonus upcoming. No, we won't. Uh, but of <laughs> I do think after this, like she was like a kind of like an ingenue. Uh, and then I think she went back to the stage for a little bit and then came back. And that's when she did Chicago. Everyone was like, oh, she's a serious actress. She actually is like a, oh. a thespian in that way. I think I don't know. I also could be just totally making it wrong, but that's the narrative. That's my truth. Um, and I just have to honor <laughs> that. The title for our podcast about it would be called Zeta Waves, right? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, also coming out this weekend was a movie that I saw for the first time during the core, uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Does not hold up. Uh, I thought it was kind of fun. There were things that I knew I shouldn't laugh at that I was laughing at just because Will Sasso is that funny a human being. But yeah, I know. Yeah, it, parts of the, that I movie know. is tough to watch. I, I, I was excited to watch it. I, I watched it, I think, maybe probably just before core. Um, so I think I had people over, but we watched that and we were like, oh, this is not what I thought. Remember this movie. Like I was like so excited <laughs> to watch it and I watched it. And I was like, oh, this isn't as fun as I thought it would be. I, uh, I never saw it. Did, did, um, Amy, what's her face? What's her face from, uh, Gilmore Girls. Did she write it? Amy Sherman. Palladino. Amy Sherman Paladin. Yeah. Did she I write that? I think so. Cause my, my impression was that. I remember, so I, a long time ago, I was listening to the Gilmore Guys podcast, and I thought that they always talked about how Drop Dead Gorgeous was like the the kernel that led to Gilmore Girls, because I think there was like, you know, like it, there was something about the, the producer of Drop Dead Gorgeous decided, you know, it was like down to do Gilmore Girls, and Gilmore Girls was sort of based off of those relationships. Is that not correct definitely wasn't amy sherman paladino but i michael patrick jan is who uh from the state is from the state who, yeah that's that's where uh drop dead gorgeous came from he directed interesting that. okay produced and directed that yeah so i don't see the connection but i don't know there might be there might be one though somewhere in that story the writer is uh lona williams who Am I reading this right? She also did the Beauty Queen episode of The Simpsons. Yep. She also was the voice of Amber Dempsey. Oh, there we go. Now, this podcast is just us live reading Wikipedia now. (laughs) This is a... uh, 
We just live. We made it. We finally made it. Wikipedia on air. Um, I actually feel like there are people who would like ASMR be like, yeah, this is the podcast. We just pick a random Wikipedia page each week and just read it to you. <laughs> Uh, here's, guess what? I, you know, I, I contacted my own research department. It, apparently, according to this, according to E! Online, did you know that Gilmore Girls is rumored to have taken inspiration from the film? I don't, okay. So there we go. I don't yeah. see any connection between the two at all. I guess Sorry, the, man. Strong rumor. Very both, strong rumor. Both those, both those pieces of art do have women in them, though. That is true. That is true. <laughs> so yeah. So so two other movies that weren't the the top movie are premiering this week that I feel like we need to bring up first: Wild Wild West, which talk about Will Smith coming off of uh, Independence Day and um men in black just owning the fourth of july weekend and then just completely shitting the bed with that one although he it did give us the classic wild wild west great that song. song great song great. i don't uh, think i don't think that's true it's a memorable song it's we all memorable. it's like it is like a, a touchstone in in time wiki wiki wild wiki wiki wild yeah it's like you you can't hear wild west and i go wild wild west like you can't <laughs> Yeah, it's you true. It was part of the wild enium. That was, that was a sample. Who was that? It was like, like uh, Big Daddy Kane or something had a song called Wild Wild West that was then sampled into the Will Smith rap song Wild Wild West. That sounds about right. Um, but the other, they, I don't know. They're both men, so in that way, yes, everything's a sample if you think of human language. With the uh, the other movie that I need to bring up is American Pie, which I saw in the theaters no less than three times, maybe four oh. times. Wow. Yeah, I, I feel like wow. going to American Pie was like it became like a location. You were like, oh, you want to go to the diner? Or do you want to go to American Pie again? Like we would just go there. It was like a thing. It was constant. It played. I felt it felt like for like the better part of a full calendar year. <laughs> It was in the movie theater. We would just be like, oh, cool, it's Friday. So what are we doing? We go to your house, my house, American Pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, the thing about American Pie for me, uh, that was one of those, that's one of those, like, touchstone movies where, uh, you know, there was a fork in the road and I kind of diverged. Like, I watched it and there were parts that I, you know, laughed at and for the most part enjoyed. But there was also a lot of parts that I just, like, didn't enjoy and so like you know it's something where it's so rooted into me the 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 the, the i guess the feedback that i got from that movie in the sense you know because like so, so many people thought it was the funniest thing that ever happened and i was like all right but there's a lot of parts of it that are not that good uh to the point where like every time there was a sequel i was like i there was a part of me that would just shudder a little bit because i was like oh god it's gonna happen again people are gonna really like this and i'm gonna be like what's going on why do people like this movie so much oh it's such a curse to be to be so smart isn't it eric (laughs) shut up well it's also i'm just saying we also like the spread of our ages for this i think Mm -hmm. is really funny because i do think like eric you were probably just like a little you were uh, the oldest uh Mm -hmm. so you probably looked at like a little bit more discerning aaron this is probably like this would have been perfectly like tailored like you were the target audience for it. oh i'm i'm going going into my senior year being like guys should we make a pact yeah yeah you are that and i'm like maybe so i'm just starting high school so this is like aspirational and i was like wow there are older boys and they are horny. <laughs> so, like, I hope I, I like get it, to go to a party. It hit us all very different, I think, too. It, over the just like the, the short span of our ages mm-hmm. uh, is magnified at that age. 
with mm. all through the lens of American Pie. In this in this essay, I will. <laughs> yes. All right. So for all the people who have uh, have suffered through some reruns recently, welcome to another episode of Hell at a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of twenty of uh, uh, twenty years later. Blah, blah blah blah. Make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE twenty years later. I am your host, Aaron Benoit, joined as always by our wrestling historian Bobby Hankinson. Hello. And experience this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast where the first 13 minutes or 20 minutes could be about every movie that we've ever seen. Literally or a TV any show. <laughs> Literally anything. All right. Um, I had a lot of fun with my homework for this episode, including the Raws, which included things not featured on this pay-per-view, such as Beaver Cleavage being out and Chaz being in. Prince Albert and Draw. Chaz? Chaz is a uh, well, Cher's son uh, was <laughs> took a prominent role as an activist. Okay, go on. Uh, so we know that um, Headbanger Mosh was uh, was Beaver Cleavage there for a second. He yeah. rejects that role almost immediately and is rebranded as Chaz. Oh, I see. Chaz, the fucking, like, what a name. Oof. Like, what, what inspired, uh, you know, fear in the hearts of your opponents? Chaz. Hey, Chaz. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit like the incel virgin and the Chaz. Yeah. Uh, uh, ugh, go on. Yeah. Uh, Prince Albert and Draws have to be Godfather's hose for the night, and it awakens something in Draws when he's wearing women's clothing. Oh no! I vaguely remember this, but I do feel like there is like um like blocks in my mind erected by Professor X to to reject this memory. Well, mm. there were a few things that I had to text videos to Bobby when I was watching, just because it was so insane. Such as the cast of Mystery Men on GTV. I can't tell you how oh, badly Jesus Christ. I have never seen Mystery Men. And I wanted nothing more when it was out than to see it. But for some reason, like, I just couldn't, like, I wasn't, like, not allowed to see it. It's just, like, I never was able to get myself to a movie theater to see it as a child. And then it just never happened. But I wanted to so badly because when I was really, when I was at the end of elementary school, I volunteered at the library because I'm the cool. Uh, and as I was shelving books, I found a book written by Janine Garofalo and Ben Stiller, like, jointly. And it was, like, a comedy book that was, like, kind of like a satire of self-help. And I, like ate it up and thought it was like the funniest thing ever and was like the biggest Janine Garofalo fan. Like we like searched the TV guide channel or whatever for like any time like she would be on it like a, a 12 o'clock like Comedy Central thing. Hmm. That's dedication. A lot more dedication than, than most of the Mystery Man have to this bit where Paul Rubens and Kel Mitchell just sit on the couch. Janine Garofalo does the robot and after Ben Stiller extols the virtues of Stone Cold Steve Awesome's awesomeness... Uh, just starts talking about Deborah's tits for far too long until he realizes that there's a camera in the room. Yikes. Also, later in that episode, Jerry Lawler talks about how much he hated the movie Eyes Wide Shut and how the best part of that <laughs> And how the best oh, part of that I movie is, was seeing the trailer for Mystery Men. All, all I want is for Jerry is to like watch videotape of Jerry Lawler watching Eyes Wide Shut, because like, don't you? It's kind of like one of those like scenes in a movie where like, oh, you know what? Um, do you guys ever see uh, uh, Defending Your Life? Yes. 
No. Do you remember in the Past Lives Pavilion, there was like this old man who's like watching, you know, he's watching a past life and he's watching this like little girl who's like combing the hair of a doll. Mm-hmm. And she's like, coming, mommy. And his, and the, the old man just goes, what the hell is this? Because like that's who he was in a past life. I feel like that's what I imagine Jerry Lawler saying the entire time he's watching Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> like just like, ooh. What the hell is this? Why are they playing the piano like that? The I, 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 This is a, a tangent, but the movie Defending Your Life is really the best that we can all hope for if, if there's any kind of afterlife. Yes, correct. It's my it's my preferred um, uh, uh, spiritual outlook. Cosmo, cosmology. Yeah. It's my preferred cosmology. That's my cosmology. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ivory has teamed up with Nicole Bass, but it will be a short-lived team-up. Yeah, Nicole Bass is gone by the time this pay-per-view rolls around. Thank God, man. Let her go. In a, in a space, there's actually, a, there's a, we've actually lost a lot of, uh, a lot of, I don't want to say dead weight in every case, but Nicole Bass is gone, and Goldust is gone, and Ryan Shamrock is gone, and of course, the Marrows are gone. And Sable is suing, and there's all kinds of shenanigans with all of that happening off screen. X-Pac uh, may or may not have taken a shit in her bag. Right. <laughs> he probably did. Where, where did, does Sable wind up, like, going anywhere else? Like, what is she, well, what's her... Well, no, because what she learns, what we all, what the, what the world learns is that Sable, unable to market herself as Sable, which is a name owned by the WWF, is a huge problem. And so... Basically, she hits them with this huge lawsuit um, saying that it was an unsafe working environment, sexual harassment, and all of these things that I'm not saying did or did not happen uh, or not valid. But what she really wants out of it is to have this ability to have her use the Sable name to sell herself after, like outside of this because no one knows who Rena yeah. Marrow is. Um, but she went out there as Rena Marrow and she went, I believe, on like, on like a late night talk show. And I mean, it just was like a dud. And it's like, uh, you, she just, as we know, Sable is not actually like a good actress or very charismatic. <laughs> a, a Sable interview, she gives absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's I'm like, sure. this is for all the men who come to see me. Mm-hmm. Like her shtick works was like created specifically to work in the context of like the wrestling world. And outside of it, it just like her, it does her skill. I mean, we watched that episode of pack blue. You guys can listen to that yeah. episode in the archives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did watch that. And so like, we've seen what we've seen what her, um, like we've definitely have seen the ceiling of her abilities. Hey, Regis, are you ready for the grind? <laughs> uh, so what we're left with is, as far as the, the women's division, we still have Tori and there's an insane package where Tori has a bunch of random words written on her body. I mean, it is truly insane. It looks like something on the like, uh, like on an episode of Degrassi. They all take an experimental film class, and this is what one person does. Like that's the vibe it gives off. Like high school experimental film. That's that's what I got from it. Still, uh, still working. Glad we all have been do- doing still the Degrassi our way through homework. Degrassi. <laughs> I was I was gonna compare this to uh, Dick Van Dyke when uh, Fred Blassie comes and they're all doing the Twizzle. That's a real episode have, with Fred Blassie. Have you been watching Dick Van Dyke show recently? Yeah, I'm in season two. All it's right. good. All right. 
Well, the uh, guys, is, it was a simpler time. Our, Men knew where their where their place was. On her body, though, it says vanity, loyalty, and then it says interior, and then intrigue. <laughs> and it's like one of those words doesn't belong. Like, what do you mean? The interior of what? Like a car interior? What are we talking about exactly? How does this apply to you? Interior. That's interior. Even, it's a noun. Veranda. <laughs> it's like, what is happening? What? Uh, this is the second bedroom, and here is a, a half bathroom at the bottom. The O in Tori is for open floor plan. It's like, what is this? (laughs) A countdown clock is letting us know that the millennium is just a few hundred hours away, and more on that in our next deep dive. But the last big story that gets no play in this pay-per-view episode is Tess and Stephanie are dating, and Shane's got a problem with it. Shane's got such a problem with Tess and Stephanie dating, he really wants Stephanie to date Joey Abs. Which is a sentence that comes out of Shane's mouth. Ugh. Mrs. Stephanie Abs. <laughs> but now we're all caught up, and we're here tonight on July 25th in Buffalo, New York, for the fully loaded pay-per-view. And we start off with more insane stock footage bullshit. I mean... So, um... Yeah. I want to break this down. Oh, yeah. What were you going to say, Bobby? I was just going to say, because before we do like a frame-by-frame, frame, which I think we should, uh, <laughs> but I just feel like whoever got like this like discovered public domain these last few months is just like truly living. <laughs> yeah. I imagine him like Scrooge McDuck, like diving into microfiche. Like that's, <laughs> that's what we're dealing with. He must be like, archives, all of the archives. And now that we just have these insane promos that don't make any, that doesn't make any sense. Some of the things I'm like, what? I'm like, is this a Bray Wyatt kind of thing? Like, I'm like, what do these images have to do with wrestling? Yeah, they're just going to show Hitler at the 1940 Olympics. And you're like, why? What's going on? What was, it was Lou Gehrig on there. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was Lou Gehrig. I consider Who myself... was the woman? Was the woman Anne Frank? Like, oh. what? God. Was it know. Ethel Rosenberg? I don't know. Everyone just kissing. I was like, what, what are we talking about? I was like, I put this, you know, I'm watching this at like 4.30 in the morning or whatever. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> The 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 kissing was all D, was all D Day stuff, right? I mean, uh, yeah, right. Like it was like Some you know, like the the, the, the sailor. <laughs> but what they're pushing is this whole end of an era thing, because with the main event, uh, Vince McMahon will be leaving the company if Stone Cold Steve Austin wins the match, and if Stone Cold loses, then he's no longer allowed to pursue the WWF title. And that's why this is the last episode of Hell in a Cell Phone. We've covered it. We the era has we ended. It out. Uh, and then, and then we. Or did you guys want to say anything more about the intro? I mean, I'm ready for the train, but <laughs> yes. uh, all aboard, baby. Whenever when I think of the phrase "fully loaded," steam engines, <laughs> I go back to the era of the train travel. Ah, those days back in the coal mines. <laughs> the the steel horse, if you will. Uh, what is fast? I, I have what to is, say, I don't know. I, I don't. What were you gonna say? What is faster, Ryan? that video of a train or this pay per view? <laughs> <laughs> I don't quite understand the connection, but I will say, regardless of the actual connection, the train was rendered very nicely. It was like one of the best three D trains. Eric. Eric, do you have a list of best 3D trains? 
Uh, well, let's go to the top 10 best Polar 3D Express, trains. The Polar Express. <laughs> Thomas the Tank. I mean, like, we could the just... One, the, the one in, at, at the Wegmans Candy Isle, where it go. it's like a track that's suspended above the air. I know it's really 3D. I guess I should, I should uh, clarify that 3D trains doesn't have to mean graphic 3D. It could mean an actual train. Yeah, we just call More, those trains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A train, an actual train in the third dimension. <laughs> uh, and uh, Eric loves trains, folks. Yeah. The Acela to, to DC. <laughs> Love it. The best. Shorter than an episode of this podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> you and Joe Biden. <laughs> um, and then we get to, to the set with a bunch of like light-up triangles and an enormous pendant of Vince's bloody face. And we learn that Austin has already bled tonight when he was attacked on heat. And I have to believe that this is not the first time that Vince and Shane has smiled from a distance while watching a man bleed. Hmm. Yeah. This also, this promo just like felt, a, it, it had a real raw feeling. Like it had a, you know, I feel like um, the, some of these pay-per-views are starting to take shape as like the first half hour of any given raw. And so at the opening, Vince is guaranteeing that Austin will never, ever be the WWF champion. We go to the first match where, uh, to give a little background, Edge has broken with Gangrel for, I guess, not being evil enough is, is uh, I, the story that they were telling on the Raws. Um, Edge kind of helped out some people along the way, and Gangrel looked on disapprovingly. I mean, Gangrel's right. Edge has been smiling throughout the whole match. <laughs> like, I didn't realize that he had that he had um, quit with the Brood, and I literally wrote, "Edge is shedding that gothic lifestyle." Like, he does. He does. He seems a lot more. Uh, what's post gothic? Uh, <laughs> modernist. Elizabethan. Elizabethan. You're right. <laughs> He's really become like Jacobian. <laughs> Um, and he won the Intercontinental title at a house show in Toronto the night before. As so it was supposed to be Jeff Jarrett versus Ken Shamrock at the house show. Ken Shamrock's flight was delayed, so Edge was actually a last-minute replacement mm. on top of that. And they were like, you might as well put the title on and make it fun. We'll take it back off on the next night. Um, so it was like and a I fun mean, little thing. Yeah, back then in, before the in internet, Toronto. no one knew anything. Yeah, and, it was like, and he's from Ontario, so it was kind of a hometown thing. Canada um, is Canada. But I love the picture they showed of it. That was definitely like taken on one of those things that you bought at the drugstore that were somehow also an MP3 player and a camera, and they could hold like one song and half a photo. And that's why <laughs> that, that like his teeth were just like one white pixel. I was like, what is this? It looks like he, it was like it was like what Edge would look like on uh like a 16-bit like Nintendo uh video game. <laughs> it was so blocky. I was like, oh, look at those megapixels. I'm like, I can truly count the megapixels in this picture. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, Deborah looks like she burgled a leprechaun. Wow! I I have a that I was thinking Deborah looks like uh, Zaytana. Yeah, but like on DC. acid. But like yeah. Kermit yeah. the Frog, yeah. like did that. But also, what I thought was cool about this was also like a very like of the time. Um, all the cameras flashing when they first came out. I thought she was wearing silver because <laughs> there were so many um, flash bulbs going uh -huh. off. That you literally couldn't tell it was a green thing, which like the next one that they got on the ramp, and then I was like, "Oh, that's like a whole different." It looks. I thought it was silver, the whole thing, hmm. uh, but it was just because all the flash bulbs that were going off, and then uh, which you don't see anymore because everyone's got like a you know night vision megapixel fancy camera. 
and her uh and her bottoms went down to like pure, truly dental floss yeah she was i mean pre- real she, that that is the classiest close to naked you could get <laughs> like mm. like once you had tails one string of beads less and she'd be like no ma'am i'm sorry you can't eat at this country club this evening <laughs> it's after six <laughs> i mean uh she like i definitely would like i would say like she needs to have those tails because she de- like for hygienic reasons she shouldn't sit down on anything yeah it's like bringing her own napkin to sit on Right, exactly. Like everything is going right up uh, her ass, or you know, cooch or whatever. <laughs> you know, her cooch or whatever. What? <laughs> First, <laughs> I need a second now. What is their relationship? Business. Deborah and Jeff. Deborah and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. I think it's just business with a little bit of uh, investment. Well, because he's, he's saying tonight, nobody's going to see the puppies because they're mine. Like, is there yeah, it, is there an implied sexual relationship between the two? I always viewed them as like a Porter Wagner, Dolly Parton. You know what I mean? Where like he owns her image. You know what I mean? Like he owns he owns her. I, but I they're didn't not get the reference, involved. but I figured it out from context. Oh my but, God. But uh, I, I feel like Porter Wagner and, and Dolly Parton probably also had a... a, a physical relationship didn't they not back not according to miss dolly yeah it it was not romance right right it's kind of like an it's like an i made you yes uh and no one can have you yeah i'm the star they're here to see me you're just supposed to be my manager like i don't know doing my taxes or like whatever dipper's supposed to be doing in a manager's role (laughs) so I, i took it as i take it as that that they don't usually come off romantically linked um, so starting off the night with a, a match between Edge and Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental title, great start to the evening, really solid match. Yeah, these, these guys can both work. I, I had fun with yeah. this match. They, uh, there was a good Tornado DDT. Um, I think I like all of the, the different DDTs, like, you know, the normal DDT is whatever, but like when you got the float overs and you have your tornadoes, those are really fun. Uh, also... I, I wrote, does Edge like sunset flips because he's a vampire? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I can come out now. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> Another sunset flip. Woo! Sunset, that's my time. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do think, though, that uh, I w- I, the crowd was super into this match. I thought the match was good, but the shenanigans at the end... You know, I'm never that big a fan of it. So that stuff was. was well, this kind is not of the show for you, then, is it? This is not <laughs> the right? pay per view. If you don't like shenanigans, you're fully loaded. Is not <laughs> get on the train and keep past this stop because take it. Express. It turns out the the load was shenanigans all the time. Yeah, they're just shoveling shenanigans into the fire. <laughs> I I know what they're building to with this, and there is going to be a decent payoff. So I guess that I I didn't mind the ending. Okay. It was fun. Yeah. Also, uh, then it ends with like Austin coming out and attacking Jeff Jarrett, which I didn't really understand. Was it just so he could get on the mic? It didn't make sense. They did the same thing on Raw where Jeff Jarrett was in the ring and Austin was just on a warpath and, and stunned the shit out of him a couple of times. 
I uh, I don't get tired of seeing Jeff Jarrett take stunners, so I'm all for it. Well, it's, it's going to pop the crowd. So anytime Austin comes out, it's going to pop the crowd. And I think they're also trying to like establish the weakness on his head. So this was like, if you didn't watch Heat and you're not getting the the blow ba- the replay at home in the arena, here he is with this fucking thing on his head or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then in tag team action, we've got the Acolytes versus the Hardy Boys. And Michael Hayes. And Michael Hayes. And Michael Hayes. In an Acolytes Rules match. And I was like, Acolytes Rule! But... <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the Acolytes rule is like, we're going to f- be two of us versus three of yeah. you. Those are our rules. Dumb rules. Yeah, man. Get it. No wonder you're not the brains of the operation. But they are ruggedly handsome, though, as our intro alluded to. Yes. <laughs> but that was funny and a little true. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Under other circumstances. You know what I mean? <laughs> Give Bradshaw a haircut. Take out his earrings. You know what I mean? He... He could clean up, but not, but not the cleanup he gets years later. Also, that's also differently bad. He just needs to be queer-eyed, is what needs to happen. Hmm. Tan France would have would have a field day with him, is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, 1999 hit with some frosted tips, with that haircut that every boy had. Oh yes, I mean as someone who's watching Degrassi, uh, yeah, they they did have, have that haircut. <laughs> As someone who was watching uh, Dick Van Dyke, they <laughs> didn't quite make it there yet. They tripped over a lot of Ottomans. What were we talking about? Oh. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, is, um, I, when I tell you the Hardy Boys aesthetic was my ideal. Like, that was why I was like, yes, that is the coolest way you could possibly look. Including the wet butt. Uh, Especially Je- the wet Jeff butt. Hardy had the wettest butt. <laughs> it was like, what's going on, dude? He sat in something backstage. No. <laughs> oh no, he sat in the chair after Deborah was there. Oh. <laughs> um, I was really, I was like, why would you include Michael Hayes? But then I realized that like the purpose of Michael Hayes in this match is for the Hardy Boys to be able to do their tandem offense to one of the acolytes at a time, which is really fun it like that's i think that's like the star of the match is like them doing their tandem offense on on the accolades mm-hmm. and also to eat the pin here and and set up some drama now between his his proteges yes get the belts yes. off the hardies without making one of them take the pinfall mm-hmm. right so they nobody nobody looks weak yeah also uh uh, another thing about the tandem offense, I feel like some, at least uh, to date in what I've seen of the Hardy Boys, like in this time period, um, some of the best parts of poetry in motion are the counters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the biggest pops are when like somebody, or when they do it, but somebody fucks them up with like a spear or, yeah. uh, We had you the know. spear last time and then we got the, uh, the clothesline from hell here during poetry in motion that looks so good. It and looks Jeff, so good. Yeah. And Jeff Hardy just, bumps the fuck out of everything i mean matt though did yep. that moonsault to the outside that was dope mm. i forgot like matt also to be much more of a high flyer before you know and then he started getting injured and stuff and sort of like changed his style a bit yeah but he used to be just as, as daredevil-y as jeff the two it was yeah. the two of they, them yeah they had a somersault plancha that was really cool the moonsault was cool I mean, um, as a kid, like, I thought the Hardy Boys were the coolest thing. They are like, and will be my favorite wrestlers. Like, I was like, I was, I loved the Hardy Boys. And once like Lita comes into the picture, for fucking, it's over for, it's over for everybody. They're mm-hmm. the best. A hundred percent, I agree. 
Did you guys um did you guys notice that like Brad like Bradshaw had a suplex off the top rope? Um super I forget with maybe yeah, Jeff. With Matt. Oh, it was a superplex. Yeah. Well, a, su- uh, a superplex it, is just a, a suplex off the top rope. Okay, so he had a superplex. Um it really made like it, like the way that it was pulled off, it really looked like Bradshaw took the brunt of that superplex. Like it didn't sell that he was doing anything to Matt Hardy. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of the things with the with a superplex is like the I I'm trying so hard to take you out that I'm putting my own body on the line. But yeah, obviously the Hardy Boys are great and um they've they're going to enter into a amazing rivalry in the near future. Next up D'Lo Brown backstage tells him that he, it's all about earning it, which hasn't really uh, stuck with what we know for D'Lo Brown for the majority of the time that he's in the WWF, but sure. Midian- hey, he paid his dues. <laughs> he was uh, Mark Henry's driver. Uh, Midian- I don't know. I, I was really excited to see D'Lo again. Yeah, definitely. But but against Midian, who got the... Not in this match. Got so. the... Uh, um, European Championship by reaching into Shane McMahon's bag and asking him for it. Yeah, this shit sucked, man. Uh, this is, I mean, another another championship, uh, another title match, and I just wasn't interested in it at all because of one person. There's a point where JR talks about the unorthodox style of Midian, and to suggest that Midian has any style at all is generous at best. I'm trying to figure I out... I mean, I can... Oh, sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I was trying to figure out if that was an, an official Midian shirt or if that was just like a shirt that felt right for Midian. Because <laughs> I was like, that shirt is bad. And I'm like, but it's also kind of like stupid. And it's also sort of generic. But is it a part of his costume? Is it official merch? Would they make a Midian t-shirt at all? Like, who would want that? Like, it's a, the mind reels. But I wasn't yeah, sure. Feed your mind. I was like, is this... Uh, a Midian shirt or did he is this was he like yes this is a shirt Midian would wear <laughs> I I um I did think about a lot about Midian's ring gear and I came up with um sleepover leisure ooh right like he looks like the guy who just like you know he's coming up from the den to see if like your your friend's mom has like any more cookies but he's like the one who definitely hasn't figured out like deodorant yet either. Like oh. he's like his hormones have hit hard and he just doesn't understand anything. He got he, he just, got it he got it at a kiosk at the mall where they just sell a bunch of patches and they only have like three different shirts. Right. He's just angry and horny all the time. He doesn't know what to do with all this energy he's got. <laughs> yeah, he keeps talking about like woods porn. And everyone's like, no, man, no, we don't care about this stuff. It's like, no, I found a good stash. <laughs> it took me a second to realize what you're talking about. So you're Woods talking porn. about pornography. It's in the dictionary. That... <laughs> no, actually, it's funny because I never heard of Woods porn for like most of my life. You keep saying and then, it. Like, like, as it's a thing. <laughs> it is. I think it, it is. is. I no, think this it is, is a thing. thing. Yeah, this is a thing that like that like. Other people around me seem to all be like, oh, yeah, like when you, you know, when you like are going around the woods and you like find a a stash of like someone's porn, it's like or someone has a stash of porn, it's woods porn. We're going to break this down. okay? 
there definitely yeah. is a trope of pornography in the woods. I have never heard it termed as if it's own like passerby, like woods porn. Like that is a, a term that describes like a thing. I, I, I know about porn in the woods or whatever, but you know, the reality of woods porn is there is no woods porn. It's that people who are young, I don't want to admit where they got their porn to say they found it in the woods of victimless crime. They didn't buy it. They didn't take it from their father or like anything like that. There's no, there is no woods uh, porn. The woods I porn think, is a lie. I think there might be woods the porn. The inexplicably ubiquitous phenomenon of woods porn, according to DangerousMinds.net. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is that a website that turns its chair around to talk to you real talk? <laughs> This website's uh, got a leather jacket. She can reach my young urban sensibilities. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, apparently, it was a common experience. But I okay. So, because Bobby, your lie. point is, yeah. it was a common lie. Yeah, which is why no one ever actually found it because you never would be like in the woods. You how many times you if it's so ubiquitous that it has its own terminology and everything. How many times have you been in the woods and you have you ever stumbled across pornography, let That's alone true. like a collection of pornography that yet everyone is that it's so common in every suburb in America. That in every woods, there are just random boxes of porn that got there. How? In the great porn Well, explosion? I, first of all, <laughs> my suburbs was like Long Island. We had no woods. The only time I'm in the woods is like a state park. And anybody who keeps pornography in a state park should be on a list. <laughs> they are. That's what I mean. There is no porn is out in the woods. <laughs> it's just very easy to be like, uh, hey, where'd you, like, where'd you, where'd this magazine come from? And you're like, uh, I found it in the woods. Yeah, how, I don't know where it came from. It just showed up in the woods no, one day. No, because people <laughs> used to watch it. People used to look at it in the woods. Like, that was, they'd go to their, like, po- their woods porn stash and, like, hang out there. It wasn't like I found it in the woods. It was like, that's where it was kept. So we're for, talking like, porn storage. Not, not porn sourcing, but porn storage now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Porn storage. Because the warden would overturn your bunks every couple days, like you can't, <laughs> you can't keep that shit in your in your cell. I guess I just never. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't even know where to get gay pornography as a child. Um, at that point, and you know, now now I do. Of course. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we Bobby, if you need me to buy any for you, uh, yeah. I'm of age. Listen, I'm in the woods all the time, and I've yet to find any. <laughs> well, are you are you allowed to look at pornography these days, or will your mother get fired? That's true. It's oh my god! If she only knew about all the OnlyFans I'm subscribed to right now, just like all my credit, my, my credit card statement is just like, come bill. I was just like, come on, guys. Wait, you try to are, be discreet. Are you are discreet. you comfortable? Are you comfortable giving us a a an a total of how much I'm spending? How much oh, a yeah. month you spend on on OnlyFans? Oh yeah, yeah. I would say, I would say probably thirty dollars ish. Oh okay. I yeah, mean, yeah. Oh, that's making hundreds of dollars on uh, no, no, no. And it, sometimes it's a little higher, it's a little lower. I usually, I will, because I will also like subscribe to someone, check out their content, then unsubscribe usually uh-huh. if it's like not good. Or there's only a few like standbys that I'm like, I'm sorry, I will pay, I will pay you before my electric bill. <laughs> um, they're so good. It's <laughs> like I will, I'll, I'll skip rent before I don't pay uh fucking Seattle dad or whatever <laughs> for the ten dollars a month. Got, I gotta be honest. I feel like. Uh... You know, that is one of the more ethical actions I, mm-hmm. I can think of, right? Yeah, pay for porn. Dur- direct porn. Work. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, direct paying for porn. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's, I have a whole stand-up bit about this. We're talking about, like, farm-to-table porn and uh, getting it straight from the pump. Uh, <laughs> it's got, like, no no additives, no hormones. Uh, good and good for you. And this was a much better use of our time than talking about D'Lo Brown versus Midian. 
Oh yeah, that was yeah, bad. Yeah, no, I'm done. D'Lo was very good though, and he wins, and now he has a title. Hooray! And and D'Lo looks great. Yeah, D'Lo is, is in fantastic shape. Um, D'Lo hits the lowdown, and we've got the third title change of the night. On a roll, baby. And then we have Al Snow, who Ugh. yeah, got. Let me tell you guys, uh, July fifth hardcore match with D'Lo Brown, which set up kind of this feud with Midian. Fucking awesome. And then on July 12th, Draz comes out in an evening gown and asks for an open challenge against anyone in the back. And who comes out in full evening gown for a hardcore evening gown match? Al fucking Snow. Oh, I, 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 I want to go back and watch it. That's yeah. And there's so little. Usually when we record these, it's like I truly can't even like look at wrestling anymore without my eyes mm-hmm. crossing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds really great. Al's... Only be- only thing better would be like a brawn panties match for them. <laughs> well, that's that's what an evening gown match is. I guess is. that's what this is, right? Yeah. yeah, true. Al Snow is giving me a lot of Adam Driver energy in this like uh, sleep-deprived Ooh. Al Snow place. Mm, uh-huh. uh-huh. I'm getting a lot of Adam Driver off of him. Oh, my God, yes. Have Adam cast Adam Driver as a young Al Snow and make that movie now. I- I'd watch that. That sounds amazing. Um, I think, yeah, I think Al Snow had great intensity for this. Mm-hmm. Like, the dude just brings it. Um, I was a little confused in his actual match with, like, what he wanted. Well, the thing like, the thing you, you know, need to understand is he hears voices in his head. They come to him. They counsel him. <laughs> they understand. They talk to him. Right. But what did he want? <laughs> He like, wants the voices to stop. He wants to be knocked unconscious so he has so he can stop hearing heads screaming with a spike driven through. No, but okay. the head, but the voices were starting before then because uh, boss man drives the spike through head after Al tells him to beat the shit out of him on Raw the the Raw oh. before this, and like he handcuffs him to the ring and, and it's it's bad and weird because Big Boss Man is mostly bad and weird, and we're gonna get some. Yeah. Very, very bad and weird out of Big Boss Man in the coming weeks. Oh, God. Oh, God. One of my least favorite things ever in wrestling. Which says uh, a lot. Yeah. Stay tuned to I it. I can't wait to go through the Crucible. <laughs> Stay tuned to it for to a future deep dive for that one. Um, But a lot to like in this one here. I love the hot coffee spot. That was great. Where, yes. Where they just sell Especially that. when, when uh, Al Snow goes, damn it, that's hot. <laughs> like when it hits his legs. That's really funny. Yeah. Al Snow is so fucking good, man. He's just so good. And Bossman hitting him with the um with the downs marker, the football downs marker, yeah, and then and punching then, him. Yeah, that. Yep. I thought that was that really was good. Really good too. Um, I I I wrote ha the the dumb cart wouldn't start when when uh, Bossman was trying to get in that the little athletic cart, and uh, he just kept trying to start it. He was like, well, fuck it, and then just like <laughs> went off and did something else. Like, that definitely was a shoot. Man, do I want Al Snow's Job Squad crop top. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. All of them. One, two, three, four, life. And on the back, it says, been there, took that. And I was like, this is a great slutty gay crop top. <laughs> this is a great ha. slutty gay crop top. Uh, Christmas is coming. Ugh. Um, at, uh, or, I mean, how much do we want to spend time with this match? Uh, we can make our way to the outside if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the outside. Mm-hmm. I thought it was funny that uh, that um, Big Boss Man was like, 
he like handcuffs him to that gate mm-hmm. and then he just like he just like looks at the sign and goes no trespassing and i was like oh man does big boss man read signs too that's what i do on road trips he does he does oh roy rogers I read next every sign up. um do you think the car was planted that comes i was wondering that i don't think so i don't think so just imagine you're in Buffalo, New York, and you're just driving on this uh, this service road, and you just see two men brawling it out, followed by referees and cameras. I just feel like if it was a planned spot, I feel like they would have done more. You know what I mean? Like, to go out of their way to plan that spot, then they, someone would have been, like, suple- like hip-tossed onto the hood. Mm-hmm. But, like, then do you think somebody was fired? Because that seems extremely dangerous to be like, we're going to be wrestling in the street. That's an open street for cars. Well, no, because I think, A, I think they were on, like, a service road for the arena. So it was probably, like, not a high-trafficked area at all, but just happened to be someone going by. And plus, I'm, and again, they don't have an HR department there. So some, no one's going to be like, you guys, this is an OSHA violation. It's basically just like Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson Briscoe being like, yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> they don't, they don't know what they're doing. I, I mean, I, yeah, I guess you're right. But like all it takes, like all it takes is one car for this to be like, like another, you know, I mean, Eric, King, uh, yeah, you're like, it might not be safe for them to play in the street. But meanwhile, Owen Hart just died in the ring and they kept having well, that's a pay-per-view. Gonna... <laughs> like, these that's are what not... I'm gonna, that's what I'm saying. We're like, you know, if that car was if that guy was deciding to go like faster than 30 miles an hour, we have another over the edge on our hands. Ugh. Can't take two in one fucking year. Well. Careful what you wish for, homie. Oh, no. Does somebody else die? Well, I'm just saying, it's a a business plagued by tragedy. Oh, God. Speaking of uh, of R.I.P. Animal. Oh, yeah, R.I.P. Animal while while we're here. Mm -hmm. One of the good ones. Well, you know, now now Animal is able to finally say, tell him, Hawk, and get an answer. Aw, that's so sweet. Thanks. Oh, I like that. That was a comforting thought. Less comforting, the Big Show versus Kane. Although, just um, just uh, what we wanted to see more of. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, we we didn't already get this at King of the Ring. We should get this again. Well, I mean, so on the July fifth episode of Raw, it was Big Show and Hardcore Holly versus Kane and Undertaker, and we did get to see Kane and Taker suplex the Big Show, and that was fucking dope. And. There's part of me that really, really wants to see an awesome match between Big Show and Kane. I just don't know that they're capable of doing that right now, or I don't know if it's the booking or what. So, uh, two things. We we kind of we, we blew past the Holly promo. I just want to point out it's there's nothing that big in that promo, but oh, it's fucking. I do want to point out that well, I, that hardcore Holly looks like Stephen King in Creepshow, like the. The vignette in Creepshow where, like, Stephen King actually stars in it himself as, like, the farmer who finds the <laughs> meteorite. Like, they both, they, they've got, they both got real big dumb face energy. Yes. My oh. note on the, on the Hardcore Holly promo was, uh, he sounds like, like, uh, he sounds like someone trying to do, like, a self-tape. Like, for an audition. Like, trying to remember, like, says a line, then puts the next line, right. And then I'm gonna be there, and I'm gonna tell you. That you gotta do this. Like everything had like a hat that you could like see him try to like yeah. remember the next thing he was supposed to say. Uh it was very like if, embarrassing. 
if, if at some point Hardcore Holly just like pulls out a bunch of like hee haw fake buck teeth and like has a different smile, I would not be surprised because like the his facial expressions, he he truly looks like a like a a dumb yokel. <laughs> I hope he's not listening. Yeah, he definitely can kill us. <laughs> yes, like with his bare <laughs> hands. He's driving to Brooklyn now with his big dumb face, just being like, "I'm gonna get him." He could definitely. He would. He's someone he's, who I think could literally punch us to death. <laughs> definitely, like you know what I mean with his fist. I like, turn our yeah. faces into just like meat soup. That's just one punch, right? I feel like that's one punch. I mean, definitely would knock us out in one punch. But I think if he wanted to keep pummeling us, he definitely could like pound our head into nothing. Yes. Oh yeah, like pulp. Yeah. Um, and he's about to get some uh, some big dumb friends to uh, to hang out with him too. Oh, good. I can't uh, no, but, uh, mm-hmm. Me too. Getting back to the Big Show versus Kane, there was a really good spot in that match that I that I can remember. Is um, Big Show did a, a military press where he tossed Kane out of the ring. Yes, that was an insane bump. That was like it, an insane... That whole spot was awesome. It, it, well, uh, uh, Kane's face hitting the ropes as it go, it went was just like a... Yeah. Oof. oof. On it, honestly, if they di- if they didn't show it in like slightly slower down instant replay, I would have been like, "Holy shit! Look at what K- look at how like Kane took that bump." But you know, when they slowed it down, you see it's it's really amazing actually the athleticism of it. You see how Kane uses like has his arm on the rope and uses his arm bouncing off the rope to turn himself so that he doesn't literally just hit the floor straight away. It's really cool. And I think maybe uh, maybe one of the issues here for me was is Big Show's like allegiances have been shifting so like we're in July right now. Big Show debuted in February. So over the past 5 months, we've seen his um his allegiances and his alignment twist and turn and flip and flop so many times that I couldn't really get a good read as far as what the story that they were supposed to tell. Who who was I supposed to be rooting for here? Yeah, agree. Well, uh, and also, um, it seems like Big Show is like, you know, yeah, he's got a heel change, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's sort of the heel of this match, and I'm not, I wasn't sure I understood why, or you know, I don't know. Um, I also did. You guys notice there was a sign in the crowd that said. Uh, the real big show is in my pants. I did. <laughs> I did. It's very funny. <laughs> like that guy was like that guy like said goodbye to his wife and kids when he left the house, like carrying this <laughs> sign with him. <laughs> um But hardcore Holly does a chop block on Kane, which leads to a choke slam, which leads to a quick three count. Um, X Pac then attacks Holly, and then Taker attacks X Pac, and then Kane. Oh, and then Austin schmaz, attacks the schmaz, Undertaker, schmaz. and now Taker is bleeding as well. I thought it was a bad sign that Taker's eyes rolled back after he got beaten. I think that should trigger concussion protocol. Pro- yeah. Like, don't let Taker go to sleep for the next 24 hours. Are you guys ready? (laughs) What, for stop? Okay. (laughs) It's even worse in in the wild. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
Like, it's really bad with the black light footage, but then when you just, like, put it, like, against reality, you're like, oh, oh, no, no. So what, what we're laughing about right now is there is an unsanctioned match, an iron circle match between Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman, where they're in a parking garage where a bunch of cars have been arranged in a circle and a whole bunch of wrestlers in street clothes are surrounding, banging on the hoods and honking the horns the whole time. It's a By little... the way, Aaron, Aaron, street clothes is doing a lot of work here. I don't know. <laughs> this what is street? like, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> like this is like their locker room chic. I don't know. It's like their most comfy clothing. Well, this is basically a uh, raw underground parking. <laughs> But Midian, who we mentioned mentioned before, is wearing a gold gym shirt, which further uh, further muddies the waters as far as what does he believe in? What does he do? Viscera is out of his like I'm a I'm a scary monster from the Matrix where and it's just like in in his most comfortable stuff. And now he's like I'm in th- I pay thirty bucks a month to go to this gym where or whatever. <laughs> Could you imagine going to Val Venus? Could you imagine going to a Gold's gym, just like with your iPod and whatever, and like you're at a Gold's gym and you look over and Viscera's on the next machine? <laughs> First of all, I'd wipe that machine down a lot afterwards. I mean, just like, um, like sup, like contacts in, just nothing is nothing. Uh, Val Venus looked like he he you know belongs down in Brighton Beach, trying to uh, trying to pick someone up out of his like muscle car. Oh. I didn't notice Val Venus, but I would say the same thing of, of Albert, who is wearing a green tracksuit. Yeah, I thought Val Venus was wearing like a white tracksuit. I think it was Val Venus. I'm not sure. When 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 um when Shamrock first walks in, he's like Val Venus is like the far end, and they're all going Kumate, Kumate, Kumate. <laughs> All right, so can we agree that Viscera is the most annoying on the on the horn? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh God, just uh, yeah, just the the honking added no drama to this. It just made me annoyed. No, it added honking, and as somebody who lives <laughs> next to a traffic circle, I can tell you, not a big fan. Triggered. Yeah, uh, audience, you don't know how many recordings we've had where it's like, wait. Ambulance is still going. Ambulance is still going. Okay, we can go now. They they have an idea because there is somewhere I just didn't cut it out. I'm like, you know, (laughs) during our remote days, I've just been like, fuck it, man. You're gonna know that there that someone's dying today. Oh, oh god. Oh, and then the story that they told where Shamrock's friends would wake him up in the middle of the night and make him fight somebody in a ring of cars like this. At the same time, that does track for me. <laughs> totally, totally. Yo, no, I, I I, agree with it. It's just an insane thing that probably actually did happen. Yeah. Ken, those aren't your friends. Those <laughs> yeah. are just, those are the guys who live under the overpass. And As someone who's been watching a lot of Degrassi. <laughs> Ken, those aren't your real friends. They don't want what's best for you. Um, I don't know what you're talking so about. I... <laughs> <laughs> they work okay, just so in I, I had real questions about this. Okay. Uh, are these the wrestlers' cars? Whose cars are these? 
They were the worst cars. It did feel like they were like little tercels. <laughs> I was like, what is so? What, I mean, being in a parking garage is so much less scary than being like in a parking lot. You know what I mean? Like a parking garage, it feels like, oh, I guess I can just go uh, to the cash register of the concession stand of the movie theater that we're at because it's a parking garage. So I'm like at a mall. You know That's what right. I mean? Like it's not, I don't find those to be like unseen, like parking garages or like underground punk ruins. It's like, you no, know, it's probably like a fucking office space, like a business center. <laughs> <laughs> so I found it particularly lame uh, yeah, that they yeah. just like drove so, their shitty cars in there. So, and meanwhile, like a, a parking lot can be like out in the middle, like you show the desolation around it. And, yeah. And like a junkyard like kind yeah. of vibe where it feels a little Mad Maxian. This just feels like literally I mean, they were like at the office park. I, I mean, I will say an underground parking lot can be creepy, but but like the more people you have, the less creepy yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Like when you're alone, it's super creepy. But like, yeah, if you've got a bunch of wrestlers all sitting in a circle, like doing a drum circle on the car hoods, like you're like, oh well, this is kind of nice. Like I would say it's nice. They're all but... supporting me. <laughs> yeah. Also, Eric, you weren't alone in that parking garage. Whoa! Oh, Jesus was with me. <laughs> That's what I, I was down, there, were, there, you. Were, there were two sets of chain link. <laughs> <laughs> um did did any of you guys think that this was like what wrestler wrestler's court actually looks like <laughs> like a- after after bobby bobby's mentioned taker's court a lot and i was like one day i was just like well what what exactly is taker's court is that like a show and then i realized like it's actual like it like it's real wrestler's court which is what wrestlers actually have to settle disputes and this seems exactly like what I would expect from wrestlers court. <laughs> the Undertaker's like, using will their be your... stone chair though. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, and then also you need, you need like um, ivory there, like choosing one of the men as her champion. <laughs> I think one of these days we should discuss uh, wrestling court because I, I read a couple really funny stories and I cannot wait to discuss them. Right. Um, I don't even remember how this ends. Shamrock wins. I don't remember how it ends. Sham- I don't know. Oh, remember he, he uh, chokes out. Steve Blackman, Blackman was there too. <laughs> I don't know. It's unclear. Like I thought they had to like escape the circle, but it seems like he wins before he escapes the circle. It also seems like they both escape the circle sooner. Maybe I'm making that up, and that was never said. No, but... I feel like escape the circle was the, the stipulation, but also but it feels like they it was they escaped it throughout they the whole follow. match, mm-hmm. and then also he like choked him at the end, and they looked around. He's like, "Am I done now?" And the ref was like, "I guess." And they were on the <laughs> bell, and I was like, "Wait, what just happened?" And then Kid and then throws a Viscera just kept laying on the horn. But literally, there was like a, a few seconds where Ken Chandler was looking around, like, I, I think I'm done now. Like, I'm ready to get out now. <laughs> <laughs> like a little baby. And the ref was like, oh, okay, all right, ring the bell. I guess it's over. Very weird. Very weird. Re- the ref honks the horn to stop the match. <laughs> get out of the road. I call. I saw it first. <laughs> I saw this spot. Wait, do you think that car that almost hit Big Boss Man and Al Snow was actually on its way to the Iron Circle? It was in a rush because we needed to complete the circle to get the match started. Right. Oh, no, we can't have two entrances. We have to have one one entrance and no exit from the circle. After this backstage, Undertaker attacks Terry Taylor. Sure. Uh, okay, so let's let's break down for a second what this... what undertaker is saying in this promo because 
you know, Terry Taylor's like, uh, Taker, you're injured or whatever. And Taker goes, you know, the most dangerous animal is a hurt animal. And I thought, well, that should make you and Stone Cold Steve Austin even because you're both hurt animals. Literally what Terry Taylor was asking. Like, he's like, you know, don't you think that doesn't this even things out? And Undertaker's like, well, I'm hurt. Like, also, Stone Cold's hurt. You're both injured animals. The most dangerous animal is the most recently hurt animal since he was hurt earlier. <laughs> God damn it, Terry. And then he just punches him. Being all mad. That was his promo. Terry was like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. And he was like, smash, smash, smash. You don't make any sense, Terry. And he starts <laughs> Then he just threw him into like the hockey plays that that the uh, the Buffalo Sabers must have been devising, and that was I think yeah right like they had a white a whiteboard for the for hockey, and uh, and and Undertaker's promo makes about as much sense as Mister Ass's when it comes to dollars and cents it's eat or be eaten. <laughs> oh yeah no 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 uh, Billy Gunn and China. <laughs> Billy Gunn and China both do not make any sense here. I didn't catch that. That's so funny. When it comes, that's really fucking funny. I literally wrote that down. When it comes to dollars and cents, it's eat or be eaten. Uh, and then all, <laughs> there, there Billy are China. Is, Billy Gunn is eating money. <laughs> <laughs> He's just at home eating nickels, like with a cup of them, like from the slots, <laughs> just knocking them back glug, 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 with a cup of nickels. Because he worried. pops them off. No, he pops them off off the roll like Mentos. <laughs> He just slit like Pez into well, his mouth. Well, yeah, because if, if he doesn't eat them, they'll eat him. Obviously, <laughs> as money does. Wait, I have to tell. I have to tell a funny story about someone that we all know, um, a never listener of the pod, and never will. Megan Stevens. Uh, she. We were talking recently about Canada, and she went. This reminded me of, of this because when she went there, she was trying to make like fun, flirty conversation with a Canadian, and she went. So like, what's the deal with loonies and toonies? And the guy just went. You mean money? It's just money. But she thought was, like, asking about, like, a cute piece of, ca- of like, Canadian culture. So she was like, so, like, you know, like, what's your loonies and toonies? You know, like, in a very, like, Megan way. And the guy was just like, uh, you mean, like, what's money? Like, she's, like, she's, like they, like, some come to us being like, what's the deal with dimes? <laughs> so I just feel like this is also what Billy Gunn is doing, where he's, like, not quite sure how, like, a threat works. He knows money's involved, but he's not sure why it's important. You take a whole bunch of every time he put take a whole bunch of oh. looties, put them in a bowl, add milk, and take your spoon out. Yeah, and actually, the milk is in a bag. That's the weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah do do you think when Billy Gunn gets like gets his his paycheck, he just looks at it and goes, "Well, it's it's me or you today." He gets his paycheck, just takes, shoves it in his mouth, takes a little fork and a knife, ties a napkin around his neck, <laughs> cuts it into little pieces. <laughs> Also, China goes, at one point, China just goes, screw his condition. That's what loyalty will get you. And I was like, I don't even know what that means. Loyal- what Loyalty gets your gets you your condition? Do you want me to explain? Not... <laughs> yes. Or do we just want... Yes, uh, so, please. So Ex- they're, they're talking about X-Pac and, and talking about how X-Pac got beat down by The Undertaker for um, helping out Kane. So she's like, what do you think about Xbox condition? She's like, screw that condition. That's what loyalty will get you. Meaning his lack of loyalty. No, his, his, or his, his loyalty, loyalty to someone his else. His loyalty to Kane. His loyalty to Kane got him beat down by The Undertaker. But she's got loyalty to Triple H and to Billy Gunn for this match. 
Yeah, they all have loyalties. Yeah. That's what's weird. It's like, I know, but she means, like, what she meant is, like, that's what you get for, like, not being friends with us. Like, that's mm-hmm. what you get for being loyal to the fans. or Like, that's what was, imp- that's, like, what she meant to say. But what she definitely said was, that's what you get for just being loyal to anything. And I'm in, you know. Screw his condition. It's eat or be eaten. She's an nihilist now. Like, you know what I mean? She's like, that's what you get for being associated with anything. Like, that's. Well, and I, yeah, well, don't have beliefs. And and meanwhile, we're about to uh, to discuss the the battle for trademark law and merchandise royalties. So, that's, yeah, I kind of liked it. For someone who hates loyalty, she's certainly wearing matching panties with her partner. <laughs> that seems pretty loyal to me. <laughs> Xbox and lo- Kane don't even have matching outfits. I love that gear, though. Both of their gear looks so good. I have so many pairs of underwear that look like badass Billy Guns underwear. I can't even tell you. ASO sells them in three packs. <laughs> So I don't, don't they look like huh don't they look like like the couple that went to like that went to some like um like hedonism in jamaica and they like they this is like their first day leaving their their hotel room and they're like they're just ready to like suck and fuck like, See, they I, both have like their matching underwear it looks like they're not about that life it looks like they went to the sex store to buy stuff to wear for halloween and it's like, oh, oh you're gonna okay. be like sugar and spice or whatever, and like, Ugh. but it's all, it's all just for, it's all for that to have like one drunk Halloween fuck or whatever. Wow, what a story we're telling. <laughs> I, um, but you know, I like, I liked, uh, I liked the IP match. I liked money versus integrity, like where they're just like, this is about where the money from the t-shirt sales goes. It's, it felt more like. Uh, it felt it felt more like uh, uh, less kayfabe, right? Like it just was like, nope. Like we're gonna talk about the money of this. Um, I liked having the DX theme be kind of like a a, a, a psych out when the heels come out, and then yeah. the DX theme for for the heroes being well received. Um, yeah, that I was re- good. I really like that King, in order to be the heel commentator here, had to sell how much he liked. Uh, Billy Gunn's outfit. <laughs> that is true. He was very into it. Um, and how have I never noticed that Road Dog has an enormous head tattoo before this? I don't think he's always was there. I think it's a recent addition, and I think also he doesn't. He said maybe he got his hair cut like you know higher. Like, uh-huh. It might have been lower, like worn lower before. I really try to just like disconnect from the top of his head very often, so I, <laughs> it's all a bit of a blur because I try to like block it out with that episode of Black Mirror. Much like his extensions are almost trying to flee, trying to flee from his head. Yeah, it's there's a lot going on up there. None of it's good. What what would be a good haircut for for. Uh road dog like Bald. would it be like a shaved head yeah or yeah. like a brock lesnar amount of like just a little bit um my favorite moment in this match was when they talked about how um x-pac might have had a concussion from the attack earlier yep. and then it cuts to yep. x-pac's dumb face <laughs> man uh aaron you and i were on the same page uh because like I, they they had that whole thing. They cut to Xbox dumb face, and then I wrote, "If we're judging concussions by looks on people's faces, Bradshaw and Holly are in trouble." <laughs> also, does does Road Dog have like a doggy style move where he pumps people from behind while he's got their arm between their legs? He does. That's a new addition. I feel like the pump handle slam is his finisher. He's been doing a little bit with a little bit of uh, humping action with it, which is not not my favorite. Nope. Also not my favorite is Road Dog's uh, 
new entrance where he needs to spell everything. Yeah, there's a very hooked on phonics yeah. vibe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. D O double G. Doll I S D O G G. Any self miracle worker. X P A C B E S T F R I E N D S forever. D generation X. Doggy style. Um, this was I okay, liked, though. Yeah, no, no, I thought this was a fun match. I liked um, Road Dog gave a boot to Mr. Ass, and Mr. Ass did a super funny sell where he just kind of like jumped in place and fell over. Yeah, he's oh, yes, that. he does that. All, Billy Gunn's done that forever, like back in the smoking gun days, too. It's like one of his things. He has that really fun sell that he does where he goes like face plants. Um, China's gymnastics and their, their yes. inability to uh, pull off. Yeah, how are you guys feeling seeing China in the ring now? Because I feel like this is the point. By this point, I'm now fully settled into like her as a wrestler. Yes. Yeah. Um. Also, I think uh, Jr. just keeps like pushing that, like as like you know, like this is like she's a wrestler. She's like she's just like any of the other people. She's wrestling. the The crowd is still a little behind because there are still bigger, bigger pops when um when she's getting punched in the face. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it feels more and more normal each time I see it. Yeah. One more, uh, one more raw plug from the July 12th episode. You had X-Pac, Road Dog, and The Rock versus Triple H, China, and Mr. Ass. Wow. In the main event. Um, yeah, these guys are, are firing on all cylinders right now. And Road Dog gets the win. And the good guys retain their rights to receive a royalty check every month. Thank God. And then no we're... residuals for uh, for China and badass. Or Triple H is we're treated to a uh, a trip down memory lane where for some reason they decide to start with that racist bullshit from before, but otherwise a really <laughs> good package that. Um, really sells the history between the rock and triple h that they've built to through all this time agreed and on the july 5th episode of raw uh bobby if there's some one thing that you might want to look back and watch rock versus triple h in a steel cage for the the main event there fucking awesome that july 5th raw sounds like a real real banger Mm -hmm. yeah the, the the 5th and the 12th also, I was in my research, uh, got reminded that Triple H cut a pretty important promo that I texted you guys about on the heat before this pay-per-view, um, where it was basically like his, the closest he'll come to like his 316 speech. Um, this was sort of like the official like Triple H as like a main eventer. It's kind of like a work shoot promo, um, pipe bomb-esque where he talks about the click and the curtain call. He talks about how he was punished for it. And then he says famously, like, you know, we talk about being students of the game. I am the game. And this is his first time referencing himself as the game. And so this is like a really important character thing. He's wearing a very stupid hat while doing this all, (laughs) but he is doing it. And it's a pretty good promo uh, hat aside. And the, it the hat really does matter. I think. And it we won't do be the to... <laughs> last stupid hat that he wears. No, Triple H is definitely having a hat phase. He's also getting 
Jack. Like, he's not, like, peak Triple H Jack, but he's, when you compare it to what he looked like when we started this podcast, he's getting huge. You want to take a non-yawning sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. on that? Sorry, I leaned back, so I hope I didn't, like, get it on the mic, but you might have heard me just as loud because I'm the phone headphones, but... Um. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no notes. Perfect. Great, thank you. You can do the whole thing. <laughs> and then the rocks interview. Like I have no notes on it because I'm just listening to him the entire time. Being so perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a perfect. Angel. Um, I, yeah, I thought, I thought like, you know, sometimes, sometimes the rock, uh, you know, he always has good promos, but sometimes the promos start sounding a little bit repetitive. But um, I think what really made this promo great was the emotion behind it. Like, it really, there there was like a certain amount of, you know, because of all the stuff that's built up between Triple H and The Rock, there was a lot more, I don't know, it just felt like there was more commentary and more stuff going on than just like, gonna turn it sideways and stick it up your candy ass like it's you know that stuff's all good but i think what sells it is the fact that it really seems like they are raring to beat the hell out of each other and they are because they really are like two hot prospects that are trying to prove themselves like in a big way which is why their matches are so good because they are both like so driven um and uh, and are in competition with each other you know and like there really is like real heat there between them not in like a dislike i just like you as a person way but like yeah that's competition and they're fighting for the same spots uh and yeah. so i agree like the passion comes through in these matches like big time and this match is a fully loaded strap match where falls count everywhere um feels like rules were kind of added and taken away along the way as this match goes. Classic. But the important thing is we're not, we're doing, it's a strap match, but we're not touching the four corners, which I think mm-hmm. is a really crucial difference and made this match, made the, made the difference. Cause when yeah. I heard strap match, I was like, no, <laughs> yeah. I don't wanna. Um, yeah. But then they were like, yeah, but it's just like, they have a strap that's long enough that the strap is so long that they would actually never be that far away from each other in a regular wrestling match. <laughs> so the strap really is meaningless in this case. Uh, no it's just like here's a weapon that we're going to use between you. yeah it's like kind of inconvenient but it's long enough where they could be on opposite ends of the ring so it's really like yeah that's pretty much how close you are during a wrestling match so it's a fully loaded strap match which means the strap they found had to come from a train <laughs> I was gonna say the, tra- the, the strap is a train yeah they just have to <laughs> well that's how you keep the cars together um so First of all, a couple things. I, you know, this is a this is a great match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had a lot of fun mm-hmm. with it. I thought that in the beginning, when um, when The Rock and uh, and Triple H are outside the ring, at one point uh, The Rock takes a camera from uh, from the fan, takes a picture of Triple H, and then like gives it back to her, and then beats the hell out of Triple H. Um, I thought that was great. I really wondered if that picture was in focus. Do you guys think it was in focus? <laughs> I doubt it. I mean, he took like, a while that, to like set imagine. Up. He took a while to set it up. You can tell he was like, "Okay, rule of thirds. I got to put his head here." <laughs> yes, yeah. is... that would be. Yeah, he. You look at that would be my prized possession. Like I would have that yeah. blown up by by like like four by eight in my living room. 
Yeah, no, it was it was dope. Uh, you know, and look, they say that uh, photography is really about editing. So, you know, he did a great job. Um, I also, uh, let's see. So I thought it was weird that um, there was, that the, the, like, the official was doing, the ref was doing a count out. And, like, JR's like, I don't know why he's doing a count out. There's no count outs. And like, well, please, somebody tell me. Hopefully somebody's in contact with this ref to know why this ref is counting them, is trying to count them both out when they're, when they're down. Yeah, and, and so it was – there was a, a bunch of times where, like, the heels were trying to do some kind of, like, chicanery. But it's like, you, dude, you can just do that. Like, nobody's going to nobody's gonna disqualify or anything. You don't have to be sneaky about it. Yeah. Uh, I, did you guys see there was a sign, a sign that said, uh, Walmart, do you smell what 1909 is cooking? I did, I did, that's and in I my did not get it. And I don't understand nope. it. Nope. That that's some real esoteric shit. Well, do you know or no? Okay, because I thought it was is it no. A, I have no idea. I thought maybe it was a union thing. Like that. That's what I was like. Oh, the nineteen oh nine. Is it like a Buffalo like workers union? Oh, Walmart's trying to come into uh, in, into Buffalo, but the this one union is keeping them out. Right, the stevedores of nineteen of of local nineteen oh nine. Nope, I got nothing. I just tried to do a quick Google. Nothing. Nothing for 1909 Buffalo. I guess we'll Picture know. it. Buffalo, 1909. <laughs> um, Ready to go to the finish? I, well, a uh, couple other things. One or two other things. Um, three or four things, guys. I, guys, I have no less than, three, there's no less eight, than just six things five, left. Yeah, a dozen things, and then we're out. Top ten things. Um, hey. I... I really liked that uh, that Lawler's alignment in this in this uh, strap match seemed to just be pro strap match. <laughs> like, like Lawler did not seem to have like he you know like usually he's he's against one party he's on the side of another party he just seemed to be like excited for anybody getting hurt with a strap and I was like you know what I'm fine with this like that's great go for it man you just you're just excited that people are using a strap good for it uh, and then oh the other thing was um, I thought the I thought the ending with the shenanigans was interesting because and maybe this is jumping ahead because you're gonna go into the ending do you want to talk about that now no go ahead well okay so in the ending, uh, you know, it's basically it's been The Rock and, and Triple H outside the, the ring, among the crowd, inside the ring, really just like giving each other hell. And then China comes down uh, and then also Billy Gunn comes down and basically they're, they, they start to do shenanigans. But what was interesting about this is usually when this kind of shenanigans happens, um Triple H seems more like a party to it. Uh, and in this case, you know, they, they like they they mentioned this a lot that Triple H, you know, wanted them to not interfere. He wanted to do it himself. They still interfered and he got the win from it. But it seemed I, I thought it was an interesting choice, kind of like it's almost like they're trying to make uh, Triple H a face or a tweener by letting him win through shenanigans, but also, you know, he's kind of like reluctantly winning through shenanigans. 
Um, yeah, really good, Eric. Um, I think one of the big stories, like one of the big arcs for Triple H's entire career is, can this guy win on his own? Why does this guy always need to have people around him all the way up through um, Evolution, which was after I was watching and before I started watching again, but yeah. And then it gave us some some cool moments too, like we got to see Billy Gunn hit The Rock in the head with a fucking club and The Rock still kicked out because The Rock is just that good and The Rock is just that awesome. But then Triple H hits the pedigree at the end and you ain't kicking out of a pedigree in 1999. Do you smell what 1999 is cooking, Walmart? (laughs) He was was a guy who was Rip Van Winkled and slept for 90 years. (laughs) And he's very confused by Walmart. There it is. I've solved the mystery. And he hasn't seen a newspaper yet. And he's at a wrestling show. Were you surprised to see the belt back on Austin, Eric? Uh, yeah. I, well, or I just, I just thought I forgot like where <laughs> I was in the timeline. I was just like, yeah, I guess Austin is the champ. I don't remember who was the champ. So yeah, sure. Um, Undertaker was the champ in the at the King of the Ring where we had um, the wait. How did that go? That's when everybody who hit all the referees ordered them um, uh, uh, Shane tripped over Shane. Undertaker rolled him up for a quick count. Right. I feel like was the last thing we had with them. Was that right? It feels right. But. Wait, King of the Ring. That wasn't the the ladder match, was it? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. The night after King of the Ring, um, when Austin no longer is see no over no longer owns a percentage of the company, it turns out that before he was stripped of his powers, he booked a championship match for that night, um, against uh against the Undertaker. And in a match that got a nine point five share of the audience that night. So over ten million people tuned in to Raw for that. Uh, Austin takes the championship back. There's a little bit of discrepancy as to whether that match or something that's going to be coming up in September, I want to say, is the highest rated moment in Raw history. Hmm. Did um so did uh Austin beat Undertaker in that match in the first hour of Raw and then the second hour was just him drinking beers <laughs> in the ring? pouring it on his face um a lot of blood in the raws to the lead up including where austin gets busted open and vince mcmahon uses his blood to sign the contract for the match yes unnecessary i gotta say this is kind of an amazing angle to take uh at the tail end of the hiv epidemic like what the fuck guys (laughs) And as overbooked as this match was between Austin and Undertaker, I enjoyed this this first blood match. Um, I I was fine with it. I don't know if I like loved it, loved it. There was, you know, it had enough like things going on that I was like, fine. You know, when it comes down to it, I think we've we've said this on a few episodes already. It's really tiring to to watch Austin brawl cuz it's all he does. Um, but you know there were enough there were enough other things going around going on that it was fun. How did we not get 
that um cut to that camera that Austin used to uh smash Undertaker in the head. It had to be just like oh, a that camera was a broken camera. Yeah, like a non-functional camera. Yeah. It had to be. Yeah, that's remember we you know, look, they they're not rich. I mean, they 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 have a probably multi you know, probably a billion dollar business at this point, but they still can't afford to just, you know, use working cameras. That's how you stay rich. Yeah, exactly. I liked, um, there was a part where, uh, Austin was like beating on, on Taker. And I think he said something like, you got that shit right. But I don't, I'm not sure what was in, uh, in reference to, but it was kind of a, a cool little, like, you know, semi, you know, semi shoot moment to me. And this match is the end of an era for, for a little while. And I think we've all kind of been experiencing a lot of fatigue with the, the Austin McMahon angle. So this gives us a nice excuse to rest that, um, and sets up uh, a couple of, uh, really nice rivalries going down the road. Yeah, well, I wrote down, uh, you know, and I guess just to hit the ending, like uh, Austin wins, and I wrote, and we never saw Vince again. <laughs> that was the last he ever showed his face in that ring. Yeah, but he'll take on a, a much different role over the coming months. So he will will take a, a leave of absence from being on TV for a while. He'll be back though. Yeah. So a couple things I thought of with this. Um, a, I think it's funny. Like, I mean, they always deliver on it, uh, being a really like intense, bloody blood fest. But I always think it's funny that they talk about how, a, a, like, they they have this like reverence and awe when they talk about a first blood match. Like, oh man, we're gonna go until you draw first blood, and it's just like right. But like, the match is over when blood first shows. Whereas there's other matches where these guys are swimming in their own blood and they're still going. So it's kind of like a weird, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like a counterintuitive to me to be like, you know, as soon as somebody says, owie, this match is over. Well, but they do say, uh, Vince says it, it can't be just a trickle. We need to see real blood, which is, it's good setting up just like in case anyone accidentally does get like busted open the hard way. Right. And I mean, yeah. And Undertaker looked fucking cool at the end of this match with his face like literally covered in blood, attacking Austin, who is also covered in blood. Yeah. By the way, does does Austin seem to be at a disadvantage because he's got more skin showing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you show up to a first blood match wearing Kane's outfit. <laughs> yeah, like I was like I was like you know we could use some good ring awareness like. You dress in a in like a scuba suit. See, I would, to, I, <laughs> to go to your first blood match. I'd wear Tori's airbrush bodysuit. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I would wear I would wear a costume that's made out of blood so that no one could tell. <laughs> right. Oh, you mean you'd wear you'd wear Midian's chest <laughs> with a bunch of uh, with a bunch of what was it strawberry yeah, jelly? Strawberry jelly coming out. I wear viscera, not the guy. The viscera. <laughs> Let's see. What else did I have for this? Oh, did it seem like like Austin like grabbed a cup of blood from under the ring to like to to blood himself up at the end? He did. He definitely reached under the ring, and he looked like he just like 
then all of a sudden he was full of blood, and I was wondering if that was kind of just like, uh, I gotta, I gotta start getting bloody too. Well, we're all full of blood, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> he just reaches. Good point. Reaches for a big, a, big cup of viscous a quick liquid. Pump up. Yeah, a quick pump up. <laughs> oh, was that how he tries to get a a blood infusion? He just goes and throws blood on his face. <laughs> He's like, I hope this is the right the right um, blood type for me. I don't want my skin to reject it. Shane McMahon took a hell of a chair shot at the end of this too. Yeah, I he thought he did. He sure did. It sounded awesome. I'm sure it felt terrible. Uh, but man, it sounded great. Anyway, it was like bam, and I was like, ooh. Ooh, that had to feel good to, for Austin, and and the sounds that w- of uh, the sounds of steel steel uh, steps throughout the night. I feel like especially like they've gotten the the, the chemistry of, of how those sound the best. Yeah, do you think? I wonder if that chair shot uh, to Shane was the one that gave him the idea to do a spot off the Titan Tron. It's definitely where he first thought of Raw Underground. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Back to the Future. That's when he uh, we hit his head. He had the uh, oh, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the idea for time travel. Oh, so time. So basically, what you're saying about Back to the Future is that Doc had a concussion <laughs> and made him think that he could time travel. Yeah, the whole movie just takes place in Doc Brown's mind. Oh man, we should really uh, Tommy Westfall that universe. Yeah, you got to reexamine it. There, really, there never was a, a Marty McFly. What are you talking about? I mean, does it does it make sense that this teenage boy would be hanging out with a weird scientist all the time? Right, where the weird scientist is his best friend. Like my like he, yeah, this is definitely, you know, oh my god, cuz like here's the thing. Doc is still kind of rooted in like in uh high school days also, right? Like doesn't he have like a weird connection to the high school? So yeah, what if he just like what if he concocted Marty and Marty's like you know, girlfriend and all of that shit just as part of his, yeah, part of his, his concussion. And then the first one who Makes bleeds gets set back in time. <laughs> By the way, um, uh, the ending where just everyone's getting chair shots and, and everyone's bleeding and screaming at each other is way better than three minutes of a beer bath. Yeah, I agree. I got nothing else on this one. You guys? Same. Nope, I'm good. All right, then. One more thing to do. For years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. I'll jump in. Uh, I got the slammy for not on my watch to the undertaker who deflected an errant bottle of water thrown from the crowd while like punching Shane McMahon in like one fell swoop. And it was so impressive to watch that he was like, like a superhero. Oh, that's awesome. Can you notice nice. that? You should check that. It honestly is worth going back. And it's like two seconds. It's like at the, at, when the match is over and he hit Shane McMahon out by the commentary boots, but a water bottle comes flying Undertaker like like swats it away like effortlessly, and then goes right back huh. to punching Shane McMahon in the head. And I was like, "That's pretty great. That's pretty cool." Uh, I'll go. Um, so what I've got is the dear God, that's Savio Vega's music mm. for the <laughs> uh, strap match. I was there. You know, every once in a while, I get these moments of pure joy and. 
for me, it was like the realization as they were getting ready for this strap match. I was like, you know, I, like I literally wrote, uh, dear God, that's Savio Vega's music for the strap match. Cause I was like, wait, strap match. That's like Savio Vega's specialty. And then just about 20 seconds later, after I wrote that down, they talk about how Savio Vega was actually on commentary at the Spanish announce table. And I was like, <gasps> I wished this into life. <laughs> I felt like I secreted it. Yes, you manifested it into existence 20 years ago. Because you just hit your head, and you're, this is all happening in your mind, Eric. <laughs> Marty! Marty, we gotta go back! Eric, you have work tomorrow. I'm gonna go with the understatement of the year award to the king, who says, The Rock's pretty cool. Yeah, King. <laughs> we all we all know. But also like thinking about it, like King is the heel announcer and, and Rock is the face in this moment. And so the Rock is so cool that even the guy whose job it is to talk him down and the other guy up has to admit that the Rock is pretty cool. that's all we got for this time love us disagree want to make us bleed let us know email us at helenacellphone at gmail.com get updates on facebook or twitter at Pod or tweet at us individually eric at prime silver bobby at bobby hank and aaron at slow pass our theme song is there are traitors in our midst by disco vietnam and our art is by alexis yavney find links for both in our episode notes please rate and review us on apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts we'll be back again next week and join us again in two weeks for SummerSlam 1999 so I've been meaning to tell you guys this for the past couple of weeks. I just keep forgetting. But uh, I was talking with my with my dad uh, like a couple of weeks ago, I guess. And he was like talking about how he thought that Radiolab was like such an unprofessional podcast, like super, you know, just like terribly produced. And I was like, oh, my God, you should never listen to what we put out. <laughs> like, I'm like, like. Dad, I think you don't just don't like their aesthetic. He's like, no, no, it's this isn't what radio should sound like. I'm like, I, well, I guess not for like you know 1950s. It's not the fireside chat. Look, when I crank up my Victrola, I have a certain expectation. <laughs> Have a look at all that work. I, I'm t- Listen, they never they never identify themselves at the top of the hour. Uh, I don't get I don't get news and traffic on the tens. I'm l- Why am I even listening to this? I'm looking for the Winston Cigarettes Action Adventure Hour. yeah like this is a guy who grew up listening to like the shadow and all that shit and like he doesn't like when they have somebody like opening a door and and like talking to somebody before they start the interview he thinks that that's unprofessional sounding fucking freak